This is a Momentum Media production. Investing insights with Right Property Group. Exploring trends in real estate and helping property investors gain financial security. G'day, how you going? Phil Tarrant, uh, co-host Investing Insights with Right Property Group. Getting stuck into that guitar riff, getting ready for the end of the year, which is just around the corner and what a year it has been. Uh, formative year for property and property investors. And I think uh, as we move into 2023, there'll be a lot of people taking stock as they eat their Christmas cake and cook their Christmas turkey, working out whether or not they've had a good year or a bad year. And considering what 2023 is going to look like, we're going to break it down today and work out who is going to be the winners and the losers for 2023 in property investment. Uh, Joining me in the studio, Steve Waters, Victor Kumar, directors, of the right property group, gentlemen. Victor will always be a winner, but you, Stephen. Well, they <laughs> they say you're the, they say you're the sum equal of the people that you hang around, and I hang around you. So if I'm a it's loser, some, you'd be the big the loser. Averages that drag us down, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> the averages bring us down. Well, they reckon you're the you're the median of the five people that you hang around most, or something or other. Absolutely, yeah, I'm a big believer in that. Hmm. Yeah. Big, big believer in that. I mean, somehow you snuck into the circle. It's, um, but I think that I think we just felt sorry for you. The difference between me and you, Steve, is that I'm the way up. You're on the way down, mate. You've had your day in the sun. Much I've had like my day a, in the a sun. Lot of, like a lot of property investors over 2021, 2022, they've had their day in the sun. You've got the rude awakening, the clueless enthusiasm over the COVID pandemic isn't really property investing, is it? Well, it's an interesting comment there, Phil, in and around, you know, time is done or had my day or whatever it was. You know, it's it's ironic that we enter into 2023 and I've been doing this for 23 years. So I'd say that's a long time in the sun. How about you? How long have you been doing it for? Me? Yeah. I'm about a decade in, but I'm, um, I'm uh, the empire on which the sun never sets, Stephen. <laughs> House of the Rising Sun. <laughs> Mate, you, you guys are the you the, you guys are the Rome of property investing. <laughs> oh my god! This is a podcast, Phil, about property investing, not about who's got the best slander. Who's on the way up? Who's on the way down? I know, Steve, but this is this is the point. Um, you've seen through 2020, 2021, 2022. Uh, through the height of pandemic, property being a, a mainstay of conversation to sort of measure the health of the economy, irrespective of some of the challenges that went through through COVID, a lot of people thought and think property investing is easy if they've started investing during that period of time. Um, pretty much everything you touch turned the gold. You've had a, a sway of new buyers' ages coming to the market as a result of their success through property over the three sort of years of COVID pandemic, the market is very different today than what it was back then. And uh, I know there's a lot of people thinking about 2023 with quite a lot of concern, Steve and Victor, uh, about whether or not their portfolios are sustainable as we get these spiking rates. So I think it's got to be a real clear indicator, 2023, about just how good a property investor people are. The decisions they've made running up to 2023 and the decisions they will make moving forward, really determine the health of these portfolios and whether or not you're going to get sort of wholesale, inverted commas, blood on the streets 
of people are being able to unsustain property portfolios. How are you guys reading it sort of at a, at a macro level? I think it's almost history repeating itself, to be honest with you. Not so much the circumstances, but the result from those circumstances and the narrative in and around it. And what I mean by that is, well, we don't have to go back too far where there was this same sort of narrative you know, within the different media channels in and around two elections ago. Before that, it was the APRA handbrake. Before that, it was the GFC. Before that, it was the end of the low-doc loan. Um, as we've mentioned before, there's always a crisis. It just varies on how big it is, but the repercussions are usually the same, and, and that is there are two cohorts of people. One is those that have approached it with what you mentioned earlier on, that clueless enthusiasm, so just jump onto the tiger's tail and, and ride the market without any forethought, so no planning, no preparation, just get into a, a rising market. And you could argue that it's the same for a lot of different asset classes, whether it be crypto, property, shares, you know, whatever, business, side hustles. And then the other cohort are the ones that have approached it in a methodical and strategic sense where they have modelled out, for want of a better word, what the worst case scenario is and then make those strategic decisions around purchasing so that you're really judging your own circumstances and that of the asset class in the worst possible scenario rather than when the sun is always shining. And as a result of that, there'll be a, a large section of people, investors, and I do classify just as a side note, if you're a homeowner and you're living in that property, you're an investor. You've invested into the asset class. So there'll be a, a degree of people or families next year that will either have to sell or will want to sell because of what they think is the future of the asset class, not in the long term, but in the short term. And they haven't even probably thought about the medium term. And I believe that it'll be those people that, I guess, that investor with clueless enthusiasm is, once again, as you mentioned, without the planning, without the preparation that could potentially shape next year's market. Void yeah, of all the uh, other fundamentals. Really yeah, I think you've hit on something really important there, Steve, which is that most investors that aren't methodical, that don't work towards a plan, they generally jump onto the successes or the success stories of other investors, right? Whether they're true or not, those stories are true or not. They don't drill back into what the methodology was, what the pieces were that were that were put in place to actually get that success. So they just look at the shiny success and the jump on without really assessing the worst case scenario. Because if you, if you invest and address the worst case scenario and, and you, you then aim for the best case, you can't go wrong. But most people just simply just go glaze over the worst case scenario and they just go for, okay, this is the best case, probably with double or you know it's going through a very strong rise in this area, so I'll jump on. And generally, because they haven't taken their own personal circumstances into account, when things like this, happen such as sharp interest rate rises, the changing sentiment, the unavailability or the restriction of finance, of credit. And then you throw in when people will most likely be standing around barbecues talking about property and how hard it is. My repayments have jumped up by $700, $1,000 a month because I'm now principal and interest over Christmas. And then the New Year's resolution of 
this is all getting too hard. Let's wipe the slate clean. Let's get out of this. Because they haven't taken the fundamentals into account, because they haven't taken their own circumstances into account, they're not seeing the opportunities behind the immediate problems, problems that are solvable if you just took a methodical approach towards it. It's a good point, Vic, because if you like, even if you took property out of it and you just look at some of the, not even the biggest, but some of the most successful investors in whatever the asset class is, it's usually going against the media grain mm. is when they make the most of their money. And it's not so much they're making their money at that particular moment in time. What they're doing is they're getting the opportunity to control a A-grade first-class investment asset and have plenty of choice around it so that they're controlling the good asset for that medium and that long-term future. And if we bring it back, I guess, with some context and feel that you're at the, you started at the end of the GFC, there was no better time to have the ability to control a good asset. Like there hasn't been a better time in the 23 years that I've been doing this. Now you fast forward to the end of the GFC and it was, wasn't was that long. Yeah, there were some bumps and there was some hurdles and, and what have you. And I do sort of preface it by saying that everybody's circumstances are different and those that are prepared have the best ability to execute. And I don't suggest that we're in a GFC environment today, but what we do have is the speed of information, whether it be positive or negative that are affecting people's mindset on whether to invest in something or not. The end of, uh, sorry, the beginning of COVID, you know, after that sort of six month bracket, the narrative was that everybody is investing, everybody should invest and look at these price gains that are starting to perpetuate. And it became a self-fulfilling prophecy because of that speed of information and news. And we've talked about that before, but so too is the opposite now. Same scenario in terms of that speed and of information, but it's not positive now. It's negative, but the sophisticated investor or the well-prepared and strategic investor is just going, well, you know what? Nothing's changed other than the cost of money and maybe my ability to be able to borrow as much as I'd like, but the fundamentals are still there. And I think we mentioned this in the last podcast, Phil. I don't think there's been a a better time in terms of the pot is full of those important fundamentals like I've never seen before. The majority of them are there. I, I cannot think back in the last 23 years where we've got this many tick box items. Yeah, we're missing a few, but my God, we've got a hell of a lot of them, more so than ever. So, you know, to summarise very sort of considered thoughts, it's you've had a lot of fair weather investors over the last two years and it's starting to get stormy out there and uh, only those who are prepared and plan have done the hard work at the front end will be able to ride whatever storm we come into. And whether it's a storm or not, who knows? To your point, Steve, the conditions for property investment are as, probably as good as they get right now, despite the need for some people to recalibrate their strategy or their, their, the price points they can invest uh, within. We're running into this this Christmas sort of break, New Year's Eve, summer break. Uh, not a lot of gets done in, in, in January. Reserve Bank doesn't meet till February. So you're going to be able to, and, and I know the Reserve Bank is going to be leaning on those two months of data to actually see what's going on, whether or not the um, impact of those interest rate rises that they wanted have been felt. 
have you guys seen anecdotally just within your client base are people tightening their belt yet are you starting to see that being impacted are people more concerned about their ability to secure finance or or pay down finance or are those investors you're working with uh, the ones who have done the smart work at the front end and, and can go ahead sort of full guns knowing their capacity victor well um like anything uh, you can teach and coach everyone but it's it's usually one or two percent that actually don't implement but I'd, I'd like to say that majority if not all of our clients have sailed through this with a very solid plan and that's thanks to our review process and also um the set plan that we've got for everything right now i want to go back to your um analogy of uh, fair weather investors sailing into rougher waters right and this is where experience comes in so in fair weather anyone can sail about right give or take but when it gets rougher, it's either when you have got experience or you have someone by your side that has got experience that actually is able to foretell what sort of waves you're going to hit and how to uh, combat that rather than you trying to find your own way out. Now, of course, it, it would it may work out if you're trying to find your own way out. However, with someone guiding you, you're leaning on their experience as well. So you're not trying to reinvent the wheel all over again. And I think that will be really paramount next year. And that's that's true for all of our clients. And for anyone that's investing, you really need to, anyone that started investing in the last three years, I'd say you'd really need to compare notes with someone that's a lot more experienced so that you're not making a rash decision such as trying to offload the property unnecessarily where there's other ways to hold on to weather this storm before you hit the calmer waters again. And a lot of people actually lose a significant amount of assets because they are more reactive to the immediate problem as opposed to more approached and more planned towards the problem. So you need to actually look what's behind the problem and not get caught up in the sentiment of it and uh, find the opportunity. And sometimes the opportunity is that, you know, just weather it out. Have that mindset to weather it out because it's gonna, going to be only short term. But for others, it may be that, you know, to prevent you from capsizing, you actually need to bail out. In other words, you need to sell one or two properties, even if it is at a slight a slighter discount in comparison to what you would have got in the yesteryears, so that you're actually able to then reach your goals or retack once the weather is calmer, you'll be able to catch up on what you've, in inverted commas, lost out on. Yeah, and I think what Vic's also trying to say is that it's not a matter – we're not trying to say that everybody should be out there considering mm. purchasing. It's, that's not the case. It's more about recalibrating to hold so that, as we've mentioned before, sometimes you'll make more money by doing nothing than you will by selling or purchasing. However, there is a there is a, a group of investors out there that should potentially accelerate if they have the capacity. And then there are those – I would – probably think that a small percentage that maybe the best thing for them is to rethink their portfolio. And if that means selling one or two of the assets for whatever the reason, then so be it. Because no matter how much you plan and prepare, sometimes life just throws a curveball at you and the best thing to do is sell for quality of life, albeit a small minority. But for those that are just reacting, I guess, to the situation without any real clarity without any real thought process behind it, they're the ones that are going to suffer in the future. And once again, going back to the GFC, and we've mentioned this before, yes, we all lost value from our assets 
generally speaking, during the GFC. But nobody had to sell from a lack of equity, or very, very few people, maybe in the commercial space, had to sell from a lack of equity or value situation. It was they had to sell because it was a lack of cash flow management. And that lack of cash flow management was a combination of poor preparation or not recalibrating to certain circumstances slightly before they came into effect. They were apparent, but they didn't come into effect. And there's no difference now. And, and, and a great example of that was how many podcasts have we done over the last, how many years have we been doing this? Three or four years, four or five years, something like that. How many podcasts have we mentioned be liquid, be mm. liquid all the time? How many times have we said that cash flow management is crucial? Have the cash before you need it. How many times have we said you need to continually review and adjust and recalibrate and then take actions. Like it's just, it's a repetitive thing because it's so important. And I know that there'd be a, an element of people out there that say, yep, yep, yep. You're banging on about the same stuff all the time. But the reason we do that is because of now, because of what is happening right now, because we've been through that. We've been there, done that, seen that initially when we really didn't know what we're doing because there was none of us, you know, we learned the hard way 23 years or Victor's 24 years ago, but we're happy to share those lessons that we've learned. And that's why we keep saying the same things every single time. Yeah. Because when you drill down and looking at mortgage in possessions or distressed sales, there really is only two reasons these sales are in inverted commas distressed sales. One is either a relationship breakdown or the other is that there isn't any cash flow available to hold on to the asset. It's nothing else. And when you drill down on the relationship breakdown, one component of a relationship breakdown is the money management, where if finances are really hard, relationships tend to break down. So when we, as we're going into the new year, obviously with, with all of us making our goals and so forth, a lot of people, when they're starting out on investing or they've got a fairly small portfolio, say, let's say one or two properties, are likely to hold back. And like Steve said, some for some, it is the right decision. But you don't want to be making your decisions based on what media sentiment is, what the general sentiment is out there. You really need to be making the decisions on continuing your portfolio based on your ability to hold on to the assets. So that way it does two things. One, it allows you to continue growing your portfolio. So you're averaging out. So at some point in time, you may be buying in a market that's a lot more competitive. Uh, going into the early new year, I reckon that the market is not likely to be that competitive. Uh, of course, no one can predict the future. It all depends on the stock available in the market and so forth. Then the other thing that we've been looking at also is that when someone sets this, the investing in motion, the media sentiment, the negative news and all that, that tends to create opportunity. So what we need to be looking for is, yes, we've got a problem that's been portrayed. Property market's going down, finance is harder to get, interest rates are on the way up. There's uncertainty in the market. Whenever there's uncertainty in the market, there is a clear flow of wealth from the unprepared to the prepared. So going into the new year, you really need to be prepared. You need to evaluate what your mortgages cost you what adding a new property into your portfolio is that going to make or break the portfolio and you need to take the thought process of okay the rates will continue going up for at least another say one percent and that gives you a good buffering 
in terms of if it's even another percent added and if it's all all of your loans turn into principal and interest, can you hold on? And if so, how are you going to hold on? Are you going to restructure your mortgages? Are you going to find efficiencies within your portfolio, within your household budget? Are you going to review all of your rents? Are you going to seek advice? Or are you going to then be too over-enthusiastic and purchase an asset that actually brings you down so it bleeds you cash flow? And with one or two more interest rate rises, it tilts the whole portfolio into significant negative cash flow where you can't sustain to hold on. So listen to all this, Victor and Steve, like everything's changed, but nothing has changed, right? You know, we're, we're talking about this this idea of, you know, it's been fair weather sailing, moving to stormy seas. Is it really like, I think we've got to give some sense to, is it really stormy seas or is it just property and this is just very, very normal and don't be concerned and don't be worried and, you know, there's not some overt issue about, you know, Armageddon on the way. Um, this is probably investment. That's pretty standard stuff, this market. It's the norm. I think we did a podcast, Phil, a couple of months ago where we said it's no one's market. It's not a buyer's market. It's not a seller's market. It's, it's a market. And I just, I feel that the media, and you can put some, I guess, commentary around this considering you are a journo, but the media just seems like a rabbit in the spotlight. It's telling this story. It might be positive. It's telling that story. It might be negative. It's telling this story because it's going to create engagement, which I get. I know that's the job of the media. And the reason I say that is I think it was yesterday I read one of the banks came out and said that it, tipping rates to fall in 2024. And literally two months prior to that, they were saying that they won't stop going up until 2025. The RBA's got different commentary every month, which it should do as well because they're they're analysing the data. But my point is things change very, very quickly. Think where we were 12 months ago mm. today. We were in a hyper-hot market where there was very little talk around you know, what we have today. And you go a couple of months before that, and it was white hot molten lava hot market. So a lot can happen in a short period of time. And yeah, you know, I think it's important that the listener just understands that. You know, as we said, the days along the years are short. And it's not that long ago that we had the GFC. It wasn't that long ago that APRA pulled the handbrake. Things happen so quickly. So as long as we can control the asset in a meaningful, safe way then nothing changes because we have got a long-term view. This isn't about the last couple of years where prices were going up $100,000 a month. It's not about that. That was a moment in time, highly irregular, not healthy, not sustainable. Now we're into a more normalized market, which we keep referring to. You know, Something's going up, something's going sideways, something's going down. And that is the market today. There is still markets going up. Yes, there are markets that have given back. Yes, there are markets that are holding firm. That's a normalized market. If you actually stripped, well, here's a question, and it'd be interesting to see what the answers were if we could have a poll, but if we stripped the narrative in and around the cost of living out, right? So we could magically make that disappear and just deal, have the narrative in and around the interest rate rises, would there still be the same commotion if we could strip it out today. 
Because I truly believe that, yes, the cost of money is, a, it's obviously a big part of the equation, but people are dealing with it. It's when you tack on everything else. Like it wasn't too long ago. I actually found a, I found a mortgage statement, a picture of a mortgage statement in my phone the other day when I was just going through photos for a property I bought, I'm going to say five years ago, maybe, or something like that, a, a St. George statement where I was paying 6.4%. Yeah, that was normal. And it seemed like yes, yesterday, and I was super happy to get it, 6.4%. I'm not paying 6.4%. Well, actually, I am paying 6.4% now, but not on a lot of, not on the majority of my loans. Like, this is a normalized period, and I think people have just got to get used to it. And going back to what Vic said earlier on, or sorry, what you, the question you asked, Phil, about, you know, what are we seeing within our clients? I would say, and, and Vic could echo my thoughts here, but over the last two months, I have done an enormous amount of reviews with clients who are in the workup stage, as we refer to it. So they're preparing for the first half of next year, but it starts mm -hmm. now. And they're preparing because they're confident. They're preparing because they understand that it is a long-term play, not a short-term scenario. But that's, I would suggest, is a repercussion of the continual reviews we do, the education, good podcasts like this, other good buyers, agents yeah, within our field, et cetera. It's not the doom and gloom in terms of between, yeah, between people's ears that the media would have. Or maybe it is. Maybe I'm completely wrong. Yeah, maybe I am that far out of touch and it's because I deal and communicate and work with a lot of people that want to do. So they're doers as opposed to speculators or blamers or sit on the fence type of people. Maybe I'm in the fortunate position, going back to your earlier remark, you're the sum equal of the five people you hang with. You know, it, it's infectious. And I believe that in investing, when you get it right, is, but it's not all beer and Skittles. You know, there's a lot of work that has to happen before you activate and Going back to my point, the amount of reviews I've done in the last two to three months is enormous in preparation for the first half of next year, because that's how long it could take. So this is a podcast about winners and losers for 2023. So let's let's break this down. Let's do three losers and three winners for 2023. And we'll start with the losers. We'll choose one each, Victor and Steve. I'll, I'll participate in this. Uh, I'll start with you, Vic. Losers for 2023. Um, they are the people that would think that it's all too hard. They, you know, getting through that process of mortgage restructure, getting your finances right, getting the cash flows right. It's all too much. It's too hard. And the first no that they uh, encounter, they stop. So rather than then going to a different lender or asking different questions, because the quality of your answers is de determined by the quality of your questions. Right. So if they are asking the wrong questions because of the mindset, they will get that sort of a result. So they would be the biggest losers in my mind is the person that's unprepared and buys in into the general hype that's out there in terms of rising interest rates, how hard it is to hold on to properties and so forth. Because when you really look at it, the spread, as we say, which is the uh, difference between the rent coming in and the mortgage repayments going out is really no different to what it was five years ago. I dare say it's better now. The spread is much thinner. So there's there's better cash flow coming in. So they would, in my mind, be the biggest losers out there. 
Yeah, Steve, loser for 2023? I think the uneducated. And what I mean by that is the people that are uneducated around the asset, like have a true understanding of it. The person that's uneducated around their financial circumstances now, tomorrow, and the next day. The uneducated in and around cycles. The uneducated around being a reactionary investor rather than a proactive investor. Essentially, that's what it is because when you don't have that education, you don't have clearly the knowledge and you don't know how to act accordingly. That's what I would think. Mm. And and Phil Tarrant. Property loser. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe I need to start a new podcast called Property Losers. Yeah. <laughs> what, what we need. Well, but I, 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 my point, I'll probably, I'd, I'd echo what Vic said around. I, I think people who the losers will be those who aren't, who aren't intrinsically connected with their mortgages, and perpetually looking to make sure they got the best product at the best rate with the best features. But I reckon losers for twenty twenty three, and you're going to see when when the market does shift, when interest rates plateau and start going down, whenever that takes place. You're going to get a lot of economic commentators talking about the need for new dwellings and all this sort of resolving some of the the uh, the rental stress and all those type of things, which is all very fair and valid. But it's going to be I reckon losers will be those people that listen to to investment spruikers. You're going to see a lot of people coming out of the woodworks trying to sell you off the plan apartments or you know other similar things with very good tax incentives and all this sort of stuff. And, and people will get swept up in that and there'll be a buying frenzy around those type of assets. So I think the losers will be those people who get caught up in the hype of where and what to invest in rather than, you know, just focusing on baseline fundamentals and not getting stuck, you know, new investors getting stuck buying, for example, off the plan apartments with a settlement date in two years' time, sort of putting a set of handcuffs on themselves so they can't invest in anything else for two years and then having the risk of that stuff not stacking up at settlement or even finishing or a building own bust or not being able to get finance at that point in time. That's well, that's education. Stuff. That's education. It's like, you know, find the right people, uh, get the right information, I believe. But you are right. There is, you know, there is an element that we see and that you've seen time and time again that, you know, push that avenue of, I guess, purchasing type. And, you know, let's not, I guess, let's not go into that too deep. It's just not our flavour and, and that's the way it is. What about the winners, Phil? Who are winners? The winners of 2023? Um, I think the winners are those property investors who understand and appreciate that property investment is boring and it's methodical and there's nothing sexy about it and they're able to look outside of their own paradigm for what they think constitutes a good property. And I think a lot of that will be location-based. I still think there's a lot of merit looking outside of the capital cities. That said, I think there'll be some good buying inside of the capital cities, particularly Sydney and, and Melbourne. But, um, you know, capitalising on the sort of geographic spread of Australia and, and not only looking at metropolitan markets, I think there's really good value in some regional markets. And regional markets doesn't mean small. There's some big regional centres around. That would be my view. Mm. Vic? I think the um, the winner would be a prepared, proactive purchaser. Now, I use the word purchaser deliberately and not investor. The reason being that there'd be a lot of people that would look at upgrading homes and so forth as well next year. And this could be whilst they were priced out of the market due to competition in the yesteryears, 
this year could be the year where they actually upgrade their their home um and also looking at uh, investing uh, investing in property borderless right so not just being uh, constrained within their traditional purchasing grounds because that's what's portrayed in media so being able to spread the wings further and not speculating so basically what what we're trying to find is a property with a problem and fix the problem to get the profits i think the winner of 2023 will be the person that doesn't sell that's i agree i think that's the best one out of the lot and yeah that's quite a general statement because some people will need to there's no doubt about that but those that just don't react and they keep their asset for the long term they're going to be the real winners there's just no doubt about it and history has proved that point time and time again because none of us have a crystal ball to know when the top and the bottom of a market is none of us have a crystal ball to know when to time it perfectly and that was one of the podcasts we did with you Phil a couple of months ago around timing and time in the market and how people misunderstand the phrase uh, but I think the person that holds doesn't sell they're the people that will win and again I think the simplicity of our answers really showcases just how boring property can be you know if you ask the same question to to other people they would probably have a very complicated answer they might be saying yeah the winners will be those people who buy options on options on property and do this that and the other and all this really convoluted complicated stuff that no one really understands so it goes back to the baseline level that property is a game of time it's a game of patience and it's a game of finance and it's a game of strategy um all the good stuff that most people like but it's methodical and that's what property investment needs to be that's why to the point that that you made um you need smart people on your side big to, to help you along you know you need that back to the analogy of fair weather sailors right you got to make sure you got the right boat for the right conditions absolutely but you know if you're outside of your depth and you don't know what to do there's always someone that can help you out and that's the reason why people turn to organizations like the right property group to help them in terms of property strategy and, and the tactical execution of it you guys must be fired up for 2023 you're going to be investing yourselves or you guys done no, no we are always investing yeah, and I guess that's the that's the point, right? Like we're in a very fortunate situation to have our finger on the pulse of all these different components of all the different types of markets, finance, real estate, whatever it may be. That's because it's what we do. Look, that's our job. That's what we do almost 24-7. So when the times are right for our circumstances, we purchase. A lot of that is also usually due to how much the bank is willing to give us, being self-employed, as you would know, Phil. But an opportunity is an opportunity. It's you know, value is value, and when you see it, you execute, and when you don't, you don't. But always got to be in a state of preparation. Preparation is key. Well, uh, very good. So you guys, free and available over January. You're setting meetings for, for February. Vic, what's the best way for people to touch base and expectations around time to have a chat with you guys? Well, the best way to contact us is via the website or through our socials. So if you went to our website, writepropertygroup.com.au, there's a contact me form. There is a process, obviously. Melissa, who is a very accomplished property investor, she has a chat with you first to make sure that you get the best of our time when time is set for either myself or Steve to have a chat with you. Uh, and then obviously it's a time uh, it's a matter of uh, getting into into the diary and this is where 
it, it highlights preparedness, right? So the reason why we have this process is so that we're actually helping you prepare to have a very constructive conversation with us so that we can guide you in terms of whether to purchase or not, where to purchase, and building a strategic plan, not just a one-off purchase, but building a strategic plan towards a income goal and towards a uh, lifestyle goal. Sounds pretty good. Can't complain with that. Well, Steve Waters, Victor Kumar, Directors of Right Property Group, thanks for your time and thanks for a great 2022 for investing inside to the Right Property Group. We'll be back again next year. And uh, again, we completely in, in your hands on on how we want to um, progress this over the next season of 2023. Victor, best way to contact questions at rightpropertygroup.com.au by memory. Yep. Uh, if you have any questions, yeah, questions at rightpropertygroup.com.au. If you wanted to sit down with us, obviously just the socials or the website. Excellent. Right, gentlemen, thanks for your time today and thanks uh, for all your insights over 2022. Let's see what 2023 takes us, but no doubt uh, listeners to this podcast will be winners, I'd like to think, in property investment <laughs> in 2023. We'll see you again next time. Until then, bye-bye. The information featured in this podcast is general in nature, does not take into consideration your financial situation or individual needs and should not be relied upon. Before making any investment, insurance, tax, property or financial planning decision, you should consult a licensed professional who can advise whether your decision is appropriate for you.